Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. I'm joined by Corinne Cantor, Liana Sangster, and today we're talking about delegation. It's one of the most common issues managers and leaders come to us with, and people really struggle to struggle with it. Why is that? It is a really common issue, Dom. One of the things I noticed when I was coaching a whole bunch of leaders and managers is that delegation came up time and time again. And the insight, I guess, that I generated out of those discussions was that it's not about the tips and techniques, right? So there's plenty of courses and workshops on how to delegate. Anyone can learn what you need to do, but somehow it was falling over in terms of what those managers and leaders were actually able to get out. Because ultimately what they're looking for is the capacity to build their team so that they don't have to dip down and do a lot of work or rework. And so the struggles they're actually facing is I've got too much on my plate and I need other people to support me. Now, the way that you go about doing that effectively will either help you build the capability of your team and ultimately the outcomes, or it can sometimes even hinder you. Because what I find or what I have found with some of these managers and leaders that I have coached is that they tend to fall into a couple of different buckets when they delegate. And it's often the mindset they they have around delegation. So I think of the, the most, one of the most common ones is the, I guess you could call them the sell and tell delegator. Someone, they are the kind of delegating leader that will have all of these projects and they'll simply get them off their plate and fire them at individuals, right? So here you go, this is your job, this is your job, this is your job, done, bang, go and do it. Now the great thing about that is it's quite efficient, but you don't always maximize the effectiveness because individuals may not be bought into what they're doing. The other type of delegator is the leader that might tend to take on too much. And so they say yes a lot to work that's coming down from above and then they just at last minute and really need to get things done. And so they'll just, they'll also fire it out. And the third is probably the type of manager that struggles to let go of control. And so they have, they might hold really high standards about what they expect to be returned and they will delegate work and then take it back when it's actually not to the standard that they're hoping it to be. And so it ends up causing this kind of habitual cycle, which ends up being more frustrating effective for the leader. So if we go through each of those, the tell and sell delegator, what's going on for them? Why are they doing that? I think that in many respects, when we talk about it from a circumplex point of view, I often find that leaders are in positions where they have a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure on them. And so sometimes that can come, if we talk about it from a circumplex point of view, a bit of a power orientation. So where there's a leaning on power in my LSI1 thinking. So I have a propensity to need to be in control and I've got a very clear view about how things need to be done. And so what can happen is they might minimize the time spent on bringing people along the journey, not intentionally a lot of the time, but they're very clear on what needs to be done and they just need people to do it. So there's a propensity for action, get it done. Why wouldn't you want to get it done? So that when I talk about the tell and sell leader, they're trying to just simply get things done quickly to the standard that they want and it's, it's kind of a directive approach, if you like. It's kind of the classic view we have of, of the boss or something, mm. isn't it? That's mm. kind of celebrated as this one who's just telling everyone else what to do and how to do it. Oh. I was just going to say, I think too on the tell and sell is sometimes the leader 
is so clear on what needs to get done and how it needs to get done. It is so obvious to them that they cannot fathom that it needs to be explained to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if they don't know how to do it, then it's something wrong with them. It's that old um, attribution bias, you know, that if um, somebody else doesn't do something well, it's there's something wrong with them. If I can't do it, it's usually a good reason for why I can't do it. So I think sometimes leaders are so clear, so attached to a particular way that they like to have things done. It is so obvious. It's almost got the sense of being a truth. It's a fact that this is the best way of doing it. And so it doesn't need to be explained. And so if I give it to you, it's, you know, taken for granted that you'll just know how to do it. And then what happens, you don't do it that way. And then I give up on delegating because it doesn't achieve the standards. I worked for an MD once who was a fabulous MD and really his intention was very constructive and he'd want to empower people. But he used to say to me, Crin, I've got this great idea and I, I really believe that you can achieve this. I want to empower you and I'm just going to delegate it all to you. <laughs> and I'd go, yes, great. So I'd go off and I'd spend all this time building what I thought was my vision of the task that he'd given me. And then I'd go back and he'd say, it's fabulous. It looks great. The only thing, and then it started. And at the end of the meeting, he'd basically red penned the whole idea. And we did that five times. Now, what I realized on the third and fourth time, I was a bit slower in those days, is <laughs> that he actually was so clear. He should have just told me what he wanted. And then I wouldn't have you know, spend all that time. But I think some leaders, even well-meaning, cannot let go of the attachment that they've got to how the task gets done. So that's interesting. It's one of those situations where he was kind of doing the right technique, yes. right? He knew yes. that I should delegate this. But when it came to the end, it was like he couldn't actually let go of it, right, and had to come in with the red pen. And I would say he not only thought he should, he wanted to. Mm. You know, his will was in delegating, but he did not realize in himself that what he was asking me to do was produce something that was in his head because he thought it was obvious. It reminds me of the saying that we often judge others by their actions, but ourselves by our intentions, Yeah, which is classic. For a manager, if I'm a manager who has this kind of issue, what can I do to change mm. that? How mm. can I grow? You mean if you're the manager who's reporting into a leader like this or you're the delegator? If, well, we can do both. If I'm the leader who's delegating, so my intentions are good, mm. right? Yeah. I'm delegating, mm. but then at the end, I can't actually let go. Mm. One of the things, that I, so I was working with a client a little while ago on delegation who, again, knew that delegation was important, knew that she needed to grow her team. And one of the things that she struggled with was similar to Corinne's situation here was that when she would delegate, she would be unhappy with what's returned. But because she didn't know how to deal with those conversations whereby you were giving constructive feedback, she would simply take the work back and do it herself. It's like the, the Indian giver, right? Delegation. And so she, uh, what we worked on in that sense was actually taking that as a learning once again. So what she's done is delegated work and it wasn't up to speed. So how can she reflect on A, when she delegated, was there an effective discussion around clarity of expectation? Did she open up the conversation for the individual to ask questions so that they would then be clear? The other thing then 
we worked on as a build to that was how do you work in opportunities to give feedback when things aren't up to scratch? So if you're getting something back that is actually not what you were expecting, how do you approach those discussions in a way that actually brings that individual closer and clearer to your expectations versus feeling a little bit defeated over not getting it right, so to speak? And so those are the techniques, but at the same time, we really had to work with some of the mindset for her around the perfectionistic. So she had a standard that she wanted to meet and she expected everyone to meet that certain standard. So how do you actually work at, at um, being a little bit more, having, setting more reasonable expectations, if you like, and bringing someone along the journey with you? Is there a short and a long-term game to this? <laughs> so I think sometimes with leaders, it's like, you know, we want to get everything right. We want to do a great job all the time. But sometimes you have to let people make their own mistakes mm. in order to learn, right? So is there a trade-off there between those two? I think so. Just building on what Liana said, so many points came up in my head just then, so I have to uh, go through them one by one. So I think one of the things that happens with leaders when they can't delegate that perfectionistic is that they're worried about the poor standard that comes back mm. and therefore they're worried about the risk of people making mistakes and failure because perfectionistic, you don't want to make mistakes. So I think one of the ways to work with that is being clear about your expectations, but be clear with yourself about what good looks like. The goal for the leader has to be, and I say to the leaders I work with, is your job is to teach your people what you know. So be clear about what the standard is that you're expecting for yourself. Secondly, write a checklist or give your people an example of what good looks like in this task because the goal is self-assessment. So then the message for that is this is what the job is, this is what good looks like, here's an example of one that really works. Work through it, check against the example. They can check against their template, then bring it to me. So automatically you're a little bit further down the track because you've made it clear what's required, when it's required and the standard that you're expecting, but you're also giving them a tool to enable them to self-assess. That gives you a level of assurance and that gives them a level of assurance and the ability and they're empowered to actually self-assess. And then the discussion can be, what I really like about what you did here, maybe next time you could try that. So it becomes a different discussion because you had a common language and a common, possibly a visual example around, you know, what good looks like. I think it's really important for leaders to be clear about what good looks like. You want to motivate people to move towards something rather than getting them to avoid making mistakes or avoid getting things wrong or avoid upsetting you. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing that I find in our delegation character hall is the abdicator. So you have someone who is actually prefers to have control, move to the way they do delegation is to just give a task over without support, without a briefing and just say, here you go. Because they, and not in a bad way, they genuinely think that that's how you empower people. But it's them taking the time, first of all, to give it to somebody who's competent, who's able to do the job, who's got the right capability. 
And I think that sometimes leaders think that delegating means that you give it to people and that the key thing is that they walk away and they're empowered, but they got to be competent. If they're not competent, you're not going to be confident that they can do it and the whole cycle goes round and round mm. and round. It can become a self-fulfilling prophecy really. Often do you do hear the uh, one of the gripes, if you like, with, we'll use the circumflex for an example, when you have a propensity for that power piece is that you do create dependency in your people. So if people are looking to you for what is the standard, so I really like that idea of being, building, giving people the capacity to self-assess because what you do if you're the sort of uh, the kind of the stop point, if you like, or the checkpoint for what excellence is all the time, and whilst that is part of your goal, what part of your role, the challenge is causing dependency where people are constantly deferring to you for things, and that is one of the major challenges faced by leaders who are operating in this space is that I can't seem to get people to mobilise to do things without me having to be present, checking in. So how do you start to release that dependence on them through giving them tools to self-assess, self-direct? I'm just going to say, Dom, that I can share what, in terms of from an employee point of view who's working for a leader who's really micromanaging or, or perfectionistic, I can share what I did with the MD that I was working with. Because this had happened twice at least, the third time I said to him, it seems to me like you have a really clear idea about what this looks like. I want you to imagine that I've completed the task and you are really, really happy with what I've done. What is that going to look like? And what wouldn't you be happy about? So I asked a lot of questions around helping them help me get clear. But what happened was we had a whole conversation around what he needed, the way, so he could download everything that was important to him. And I walked away much more clear about what was expected of me rather than feeling like I'd had a blank sheet. And really, it wasn't a blank sheet at all. So I always ask, and even now with my clients, I always ask, you know, what does good look like if we, six months down the track, we're having a conversation, you're telling me that something's different as a result of the work that we've done, what's changed? And so really getting them to kind of think forward and say, what would it look like? What wouldn't you want to happen? And you're just really getting a sense of the dimensions of what they're expecting you to put out. So it's really about these expectations because without them, we're shooting in the dark essentially, right? And that's why we've got to keep checking in with the manager because, well, I don't know what they're actually looking for. Yeah. And it's, I think it's to your point that a lot of managers think that they're doing you a favor by giving you that blank slate, that yeah. blank canvas to work on. Well, hey, you can do it any way you want, but they don't realize that later on they're going to come in and correct that. So it kind of undercuts everything they've previously done. Yeah. And I think the self-awareness piece for a leader is you've got to be really honest with yourself and look at how you contribute to the problem. So what is it? It's not all going to be about them. Okay. So mm. what is it about me that runs interference with my ability to step back from the role. And I was working with a leader recently who is, again, genuinely wanting to be really constructive and their way, but they're a bit more task-oriented. And so their way of being constructive is to, and to empower, is to get people in the meeting and the words that they use was, and I was going to tell them that I'm really supportive and that I'm going to be there for them and show them how it is that I've done things. And so you get the gist of it, right? So that is well-meaning, but not going to help their direct report actually grow and shine and thrive. And so we talked about 
asking their direct report to put together a pricey of what they'd planned to do and to initiate the meeting. So the delegation is about leader stepping back and creating some space so the person can come forward and um, take the initiative, take me through your ideas. What are you thinking? And so really just asking a series of questions rather than supportive direction is Mm. what I call it. Mm. Sometimes leaders try to add too much value. Yeah, right. So as a leader then, if I'm in that kind of power perfectionistic space, I've got a very clear idea of what I want. Part of the growth for me then is to think, well, what are the objectives, right? What are, actually, what are we trying to achieve, which is in that achievement space? And if someone can achieve those objectives, perhaps in a different way than I thought, we're still achieving those objectives. So it's a bit of a mindset shift for the leader as totally. well. So I guess just to summarize, if I'm either the leader or I have a leader who is doing this kind of delegation for me, it's about getting the expectations really clear up front. So what does good look like? getting those questions out and getting an example, right? So can you tell me in six months' time, what does good look like? Or if we deliver this project, what does it look like? That way I've got now a frame to work in without having to check back in all the time with the manager. Fantastic. What about the next case where we have the manager who takes on too much and then kind of doesn't know how to actually delegate it out? Mm. Uh, really common question, particularly in that sort of middle management area. I find that's really where that crunch point is for some leaders and managers. They've taken on a lot. A couple of things that I, I find a question that I ask those leaders often around why they challenged to delegate. How well do they know their people is a question I might ask, because part of this is about building relationships and knowing what floats your people's boat, right? So if you know what excites them, what interests them, where they want to grow, how they want to grow. You can start formulating your thinking around who is best placed to deliver some of this work and what are they going to be energized by? And so what, who will be really motivated to take on bits of work? So I think working on those relationships is, is really paramount and, and fundamental to garnering some energy around delegation. What else? One of the things that has come up for leaders that I've coached as well is that apprehension around delegation sometimes sits with, it can sometimes be around approval, right? And so it's a really interesting dynamic. We've talked a lot about the power and the perfectionistic space, but sometimes we get a bit of discomfort around either giving people work because they think they might be overloading them or giving them work and then having to give them feedback that makes them uncomfortable. And so if I have a propensity to feel uncomfortable around growing others, giving them feedback they might not like, or it might mean that they don't like me as a result, it's difficult for me to let go and grow others. And so to build on some of our conversation before and how do you how do you view the situation differently, right? So how do we view delegation and growing your team as an opportunity for them to grow and develop? That comes up, it's more of a mindset shift. So where the mindset is from an approval point of view is what if I upset someone by giving them a piece of work and then having to coach them through, you might look at the situation as, okay, I know what this person really wants, where they want to grow. Now I can start chunking out bits of work that's going to help them do that and support them in the process, right? So what about the tasks that are just they're rubbish tasks, they're rotten, no one wants to do them because, <laughs> you know, it's easy to delegate something that's fun, that's creative, you know, everyone wants to do it. But what about the ones where you just feel like, oh, I feel bad giving this to that person? You know, how do you do that? It's a good, it's, well, there's an assumption there, right, that some people won't like doing it because you don't like doing it. 
for a start. There's aspects of everyone's role that you know we don't love doing. We don't, don't love doing our receipts and our finances at the end of every month. No one likes filling out those forms, but it's a part of it. And it's kind of like, I think it's a balancing act, right? So people want to feel like they're somewhat empowered to act in accordance with their values, to use their skills in a meaningful way, to develop their strengths. And I think it's a bit of a, it's a balance. So it's not about simply here's a task, I know it's crap, you go ahead and do it, but it's about being able to make sure that the individual is still satisfied in terms of you know, 60, 70, 80% of the time they're getting to exercise some free will and play to their strengths and develop. So I think it's about knowing your people and making sure that there's a balance. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. I agree with it. I think that that's really only an issue if you're doing those kind of crappy tasks 80% of the time. If you are able to do things that motivate you, that you enjoy doing and that you get a sense of achievement from most of the time, then, you know, it is what it is. We all have parts of our role that we don't love and you've just got to, you know, take that with the good. So I think it's about the leader being mindful of how they're directing the energy, effort and time of their people. What buckets have they got their people working on? And is it a fair mix? You know, is it a balanced mix of things that will motivate, that they enjoy, that play to their strengths? And with some stuff that maybe that they don't love, but they understand that, you know, that needs to get done. Just one thing that occurred to me on the the other point around the leader that takes on a lot, and Liana talked about it, approval sometimes running interference. So I feel bad giving you something mm-hmm. or I feel bad because I don't think that and I don't want to have that conversation. But approval can also be up. So the reason, competitive approval, the reason that I've got so much on my plate is I keep saying yes to my boss, to my boss, and saying yes to my peers. And so I just keep saying yes, 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 yes. And then just, you know, waterfalling all those tasks down to the people. So the approval, the issue there is not having boundaries around what is a reasonable expectation of what I can deliver. And that often is because I don't want to be in a position where I say to my manager or my leader, you know what, (laughs) I'm overloaded. And so there is a fair bit of courage that comes with this territory in terms of being clear about how much work your team can do and what to say no to and also being fair to your people when they're not doing things in the right way It is not a kindness not to give your people feedback, especially if it becomes the worst kept secret in the team Mm. that one person isn't performing. This is not a kindness. It is not helpful. They would much prefer that you tell them. So I think there's always this point of self-awareness of being really clear with yourself first. How am I getting in my own way? What am I being motivated by that I am unable to let go or that I'm unable to say no to my peers or my my leaders. So I think that's a pretty common factor as well. So people could take it on a bit of a, you know, a bit of a project of self-development, right? That, you know, we've all fallen into that trap of saying yes too much, right? Because it's so tempting to do. And and look, like you say, being constructive takes courage. Mm. You know, defensive styles are defensive, they're security orientated for a reason, right? Mm. Keeps us secure because, hey, if I keep saying yes, everyone likes me. If I, you know, hold on to the job or whatever, I'll get it done right. It keeps us safe. So it actually takes courage to step out of that and say, you know what, I'm going to maybe push back to my boss and say, you know, we've got enough on our plate. Or I'm going to, you know, 
be courageous, give someone a task, knowing that I might have to take a difficult conversation with them about their performance on that task and be okay with that. Definitely. I mean, there's, and there's unintended consequences, right, that sometimes come along with some of those things. So if you think about the leader that, you know, starts to delegate to only people that they know get good work done, you start to form fractions in teams. Mm. So you start to see a ripple effect with, I'll just go back to who I feel comfortable with. And therefore you get some team dynamics that start to get challenging or like to Corinne's point, the uh, not dealing with giving feedback and having individual, I often ask leaders, so what would you tell your child if they did something that would be socially detrimental to them? If they were, I don't know, say swearing at school, would you give them the feedback that that's perhaps not appropriate? And why would you do that? And they will very quickly say, well, you know, there's consequences for those behaviors. Giving feedback to individuals doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's about seeing that individual become more effective. And that is your role as a leader or manager to help them do that. And so thinking about feedback as I really want to see you grow and develop and be the best human that you can be is a really important thing to think about. So is it about reframing how we look at delegation a bit? Because I think it's often framed up as I'm a manager, I'm too busy, I need to delegate more. And and that's the way a lot of the training is done, right? It's like you've got too much on your plate, you need to learn how to tell other people to do things. But is there a reframing of, well, actually, it's about developing my team rather than just getting stuff off my plate? Yeah, totally. I think that sometimes if you're a task-oriented leader, and even those leaders who are, you know, more people-oriented, you get caught in the treadmill of having to deliver results, you know, you get on the job. But the thing is, your job is actually to motivate your people to de- deliver the results that the organisation needs. It's not your job to deliver their results. And so I think it's a reframing and ultimately for a business to be successful, any organisation to be successful, you need all its people to be pulling their weight and to be as autonomous and self-managing as, as possible. That doesn't just happen organically. It has to happen through a leader who mentors and coaches and directs sometimes when required. But it is a reframe. It is about I'm going to rethink how it is that I get the job done or how I get results. It's not me that's getting it done. I'm going to get my team, develop them to a point where they are delivering the work because that's essentially the job of the leader. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you sort of fall into the individual contributor bucket, right? So how do you create the environment where you can truly maximize the output of your team? And so in thinking that way, you need to rethink how you do things with your team, create the right environment for learning, growth, maximum output. Yeah. So it sounds like, particularly for these leaders who are taking on too much and then kind of they're afraid to delegate, It's a bit of a mind shift for them. We've got to reframe how they see delegation, that it's not I'm just getting the crappy jobs off my plate, but it's I'm developing my team. I'm building relationships with them so I know what floats people's boat, where do they want to develop, and therefore you know, maybe what is the mix of tasks that I can give to that person. It's looking at that it's not kind not to give feedback. Actually, your job as a leader is to develop people, and sometimes – You have to give people tough feedback, but that's how people grow as well. We don't grow from only being told what's right, but also where we can improve. And finally, it's to change that idea of it's not getting stuff off my plate. It's about developing my team. Add one more thing, and that is 
we've got to remember that there are only two things that are really finite, time and energy. Mm. And so it's really important for the leader to get very, very clear on where their time and energy and effort is actually required. A really simple way of doing that. I like what I call napkin tools. So you can draw the tool on the napkin and you get it and that's all you need. So this is a napkin tool. So the leader looks at, write down everything that they do and then sort them into high value and lower value. Now, high value is all the things that only I can do as the leader. I cannot delegate these things. This needs to be a priority. The lower value or moderate level are the things that I can either stop or delegate. So I think it's really important to get clear on boundaries around time and energy. I think that's also a great point that sometimes it's just people aren't clear on, okay, what do I have the authority to do? Mm. And they don't know because we often don't explicitly state it. And therefore they come back to you and ask, you know, a million questions because they don't know actually you have the authority to do it. Go for it. Yeah. So to wrap it up, if I'm a manager who's struggling with delegation, some ideas to keep in mind are about setting those clear expectations giving an example of what good looks like so people know and they have a frame so they don't always have to come to me. Knowing what floats people's boats, building those relationships with people, where do they want to develop, what kind of tasks can I give them that they're actually going to like, and changing my mindset to be away from just getting the task done to getting the task done through my people and actually developing them into it. And finally, that it's not kind not to give feedback. If we want to develop people, we actually have to have some of those brave conversations and we have to be okay with that. And that's how people grow. Fantastic, guys. Thanks for that advice. If you've got a question around delegation, send it in to us. You can email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. Real life situations are always great. Thanks for your time today, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you.